Well, good morning, church. Welcome here to week two of our new message series called Becoming Human. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, so welcome here. Last week, we kicked off this series uh, hearing an incredible story um, of God's goodness and faithfulness um, through Southside Worship's very own Maddie Hardy. It was an incredible Sunday, and we spent some time after the service in prayer as a church family. It was awesome. But if you weren't here last week, I strongly encourage you um, to go on to SouthsideLife.com, the Southside app, or the Southside YouTube channel, and make sure you catch up on that, especially if, if maybe you're walking through a season um, where you need hope, and, and you need to be inspired and, and be challenged in your faith. Make sure you, you go back and watch that. But in this series, we've been talking about how we're imperfect people, and, and how we're actually quite frail, and that, you know, there's things that happen in our life that are sometimes out of our control, and we only have control over certain things in our lives, but, but a lot of our life, we're actually out of control. But the good news is, is that God is in control. There's a verse in Ephesians 3 that says, God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine, guess, or request, in your wildest dreams. And He doesn't do it uh, simply by pushing us around and forcing His will on us, but by gently working within us, nudging us gently through the Holy Spirit. And this morning, uh, you're going to hear a powerful message from another speaker, from an incredible young man, uh, Southside's very own Lucas Manis is going to be sharing with us this morning. And uh, we've actually had the opportunity as a church to watch him grow up in our church. I actually met Lucas when he was eight years old. Uh, he was about this tall. Now he's like this tall. And, uh, and I can remember all those Sundays where like literally right over there uh, where we'd be taking down church and he'd be practicing his shots and shooting and shooting and shooting. And uh, it's been incredible to watch him grow from that, that eight-year-old boy into the man that he is today. And uh, a lot of you know uh, he won a CIS men's basketball championship with the University of Calgary. You might have heard that like, you know, once or twice, maybe like 10, 30, 50 times. We're losing count, really. And uh, that's the risk that Pastor Mike takes um, when he's not speaking, is we get to have a little fun at his expense. But uh, if that's not funny to you, I know one thing about you. It's not that you don't have a sense of humor. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. It's that you're actually new here, and that's incredible. And we're glad that you're here, uh, and you just haven't had the opportunity to hear that story yet. And... Uh, and we, you really should text in hello and check in with us and, and let us know that you're here for the first time. But you are going to hear a powerful story. And I don't want to give uh, much of it away. I'll let him speak for himself. Uh, but it's incredible to hear the, uh, uh, really the story of how even champions struggle. And how even champions aren't always in control. But that God is, and He's always there, and He's present, and He gently nudges us and encourages us, and He has a desperation to have right relationship with us. And it's through that that He continues to change us and mold us into the humans that He created us to be. So the series bumper is going to play, and once it's over, I will invite you to welcome, uh, join me in welcoming Lucas with an enthusiastic and warm Southside welcome. Enjoy the service. that the incarnation 
creation was about God being with us, and um, and part of that divine plan is that we're actually frail, and that we feel, and sometimes we hurt, and that all of those things are okay, and they are something that defines our humanity, that will connect us with, with God, because it's God who made us and breathed life into us and made us human and said it was good. going on so uh, I just wanted to give a quick intro thank you Dave for those words I really appreciate that um, just kind of an intro on my self-side history so I literally I grew up in this church my f- my first Sunday on planet earth my mom tells me was probably sitting somewhere over there or in the nursery <clears throat> with Carolyn um, so I'm a lifer like I've been here my entire life um, and one of the cool things is like our church is growing a lot I've spent the last few years in Calgary playing basketball and so when I came back, there's a ton of new faces, which is really cool, but it, I, it's kind of weird for me growing up here that I don't know a lot of you, but I think today, like, what I hope, um, what I can do is I can explain a little bit of my story for those of you who don't know me at all, and then for those of you who do, um, I think a lot of you um, might be surprised by some of the things I went through. I also just wanted to quickly say that, um, like, how much this church means to me. I grew up um, going to kids' church with uh, Carolyn Martins and then going to youth with Brock Adams, and both of those people uh, have molded me into the man that I am today. Um, I wouldn't be where I am with either of them, and so I just wanted to quickly um, just kind of give a quick shout-out to those people, and I'm co-workers now with Carolyn, which is crazy. She was my kid's pastor, and now we're co-workers. Um, and then Brock is someone that uh, I've admired for years, and he was always there for me no matter what I was going through or where I was at. Brock was always just a friend for me, and so I, I just kind of wanted to give him a quick shout-out too and just... I really just love this church, so I wanted to say that. Um, so we heard from Maddie Hardy last week, and I just wanted to say this. That was unreal. As a side note, I just want to give a quick shout-out to the staff for gracefully allowing my first-ever sermon in front of you guys to be immediately following one of the most profound Sundays in Southside history. No pressure at all. So there's some pressure. I feel pressure. I'll be okay. Um, so all jokes aside, Maddie is a real-life hero of the faith. I was in Halifax, I still remember, with my team uh, for a preseason trip last, uh, I can't remember what month, I think it was preseason October maybe, um, when, when I got the news of her initial cancer diagnosis. That was a tough day for me. I felt so far away from everyone in our entire community here. I also found it so unfair um, that of all the people that I knew in my life that it was Maddie that had to go through that. Uh, she was so innocent. Um, and I just, I kind of felt like I wanted to take that burden from her, or there was, there was horrible people in the world who would deserve that more than her. Um, but I just remember I got back, um, I got back into Calgary from Halifax, and I just got my, I told my girlfriend I need the car, and I drove through the night, <coughs> I borrowed her car, <coughs> drove through the night, and I arrived at like 2 p.m. in Chilliwack uh, the following day. I'll never forget walking into that hospital room for the first time. It was the same old Maddie. Cancer, no problem. She was poised, confident, full of hope, faith, and life. How could I be fearful when she was so brave? 
How could I be doubtful when her faith was unwavering? I want to encourage anyone who missed Maddie's story last week to go check it out on southsidelife.com or the Southside app or the YouTube or whatever. Shameless plug for Southside. Go check it out. And I hope that my story today will bring with it a similar message of hope for you guys. A different story, but the same hopeful message. So what I'm going to do today is take you through a little bit of my story because I think it's one that a lot of you can relate to. It's a story of a hopeless young man living in a difficult world who finds hope and purpose before it was too late. Today I get to do what I'm most passionate about, and that's to spread messages of hope for people who need it. Hope and purpose, that's what today is all about. As many of you know, my dad is a lead pastor here at Southside Church. It's a pretty, I don't know how many PKs I have here, but it is a pretty, pastor's kid, it means pastor's kid. Um, it's a pretty weird feeling growing up as, as like the kid of a pastor. First of all, it's a weird feeling knowing that your entire life is a potential sermon illustration for your dad. <laughs> a, pre a pretty common occurrence when I was a teenager would be walking into church and getting ambushed by like a pretty large group of people um, asking something like this. I can't believe you said that to your sister, or I can't believe you said that to your mom, or I can't believe you did this to your sister. Is that really what happened? And I remember being a 16-year-old who had missed church the following week for a basketball tournament or, or whatever, and just finding that like a rude awakening. I honestly just wished I was still at home sleeping, but instead I was in the lobby fending off questions that I had no idea uh, that my dad had shared, probably without asking, in front of the church the, <laughs> the previous week. So for the last 25 years of my life, I've been a walking, talking sermon illustration for my dad. But today, I have the microphone. <laughs> so I think it's a high time I take a little bit of revenge on my dad, and I hope you guys understand. <laughs> I think you all might enjoy a glimpse into my childhood, and if there happens to be a, my, a shot of my dad going through one of his many, many weird hair phases, then so be it. <laughs> a little bit closer. Now a little bit closer. <laughs> oh. I don't know where my dad is, but he's probably currently texting Brianna and Leah to get me removed from the stage indefinitely, so I really want you to soak in this message because this will probably be the last time you ever hear from me. <laughs> now these are funny examples that come, come with the territory of having pastors for parents. In truth, some of the coolest people I've ever met, I've met right here at Southside Church. Unfortunately, not all of these examples from my life are quite as lighthearted. There were a lot of times where I saw people treat my parents really poorly without ever taking the time to really get to know their hearts. I saw people leave the church because they were so focused on judging my parents and the staff and the direction of the church that they didn't even take the time to look in the mirror and evaluate their own hearts first. I'm not, my, I'm not saying that my parents or the staff or myself are perfect. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that I know their hearts. I know they are passionate about winning people over for the kingdom and about spreading messages of hope and purpose in a world that these are both really scarce. Let me give you all a, a, a more clear example of what this not so fun side of being a pastor's kid looked like for me. I remember working construction on this crew of Christian guys. From about my grade 10 summer till about my second year of university, I would spend my summer break working for this construction crew. Now when I started working for these guys, or this guy, uh, the boss and his family and kids and a couple of the people on the crew actually attended Southside Church. By about my third summer working for him, uh, the boss, his family had left, and all the guys on the crew who attended the church had all left the church. They left the church because in their words, we weren't going deep enough. 
They would always talk about how there was uh, too much evangelism and not enough discipleship happening here. I remember thinking, too much evangelism. I don't really know if that's possible. Uh, But I honestly didn't mind the guys. The pay was good and the culture of the crew relative to other construction crews, there's some rough ones, uh, was really positive. So I I chose to tough it out. I can honestly say that I gave the guy the benefit of the doubt and I wanted to see if there was some validity to their complaints or their way of thinking about the Christian faith. Now these guys were super into religious arguments. They would spend full work weeks arguing about the proper biblical interpretation regarding the age of the earth. And maybe full, I would say a week is actually on the low ball side. It could be more like a month. I've heard, I know all the interpretations. I still don't really know what they believe, but I know all the interpretations. Uh, And so, uh, yeah, I know, and I knew these guys had some harsh words to say to my dad on the way out, but I really just chose to give these guys the benefit of the doubt, look at things from their perspective, and go from there. Now, I, would, I never really engaged in these conversations, so I remember one day, the boss came up to me and said, Lucas, what do you think? And I remember saying something like, I try not to think and talk about things that don't actually matter at all. <laughs> that was kind of a joke, but I really did mean it and still do. One of the guys would show up in the morning with a new, with a new verse that just, he thought would take his predestination argument right over the top. So they would spend weeks and weeks talking about predestination versus free will, the proper biblical interpretation regarding the age of the earth. I've heard it all. Now, a couple years ago when I was living in Calgary, I got a call from my mom. That, that boss that I had had for those years had walked out on his wife and his kids, abandoning them. And I remember how I felt. I felt sad like, I w- like anyone else would hear in that news. But I remember more than anything, I felt really angry. All those years of pointless conversations, of trying to prove his knowledge of scripture to the whole crew, completely pointless. He left Southside because it wasn't deep enough, but it was his actions that showed me that it was his faith that lacked depth. Depth depth is sticking it out through the struggle. Depth is keeping the promise that you made before God on your wedding day. Depth is resisting temptation even when it gets hard. Erwin McManus, an author and pastor, says it this way. Isn't it odd how people hold someone else responsible to take them deep? They ask, where do I go to go deep here? The reality is, no one can take you deep. Only God can take you deep. I can take you shallow. I can take you mid-level. But see, if I take you deep, if I take you to the deep that I live in, you're going to start suffocating and think I'm drowning you because I can't take you to the depth that God takes me. Only God can take you to the depth that he needs to take you. Everything we do here is entry-level. God wants to take you deep because deep is not about knowledge, deep is not intelligence, deep is intimacy with God. I meet people who say to me, where do I go to go deeper? Rarely is this from a person who's new to the faith. It's from people who have had faith for years but have gone shallow. Going deep isn't about time, it's about passion. That's the first amen I got and it wasn't even my words. That hurts. Where are my people that were supposed to be saying amen? They're out there. Do your job. (laughs) I remember being a young man on this construction crew and not really knowing the correct terminology to describe how backwards this type of faith was, but I I believe I know now. That man had just lost track of his why. His life and his faith weren't about spreading messages of hope and purpose to people who really needed it or of slowly but surely allowing God to mold him in the man he wanted him to be. He got caught up in the wrong things and he lost his way. 
Looking back now, I can say that these events caused me to sort of write off church people, and it set me off in search of my why. I wanted to find a purpose in my life that was more meaningful than the one that man had modeled for me. His, yeah, ooh, sorry guys. Unfortunately, this search did not always lead me to things that were actually capable of giving me a profound purpose. I tried most of the things that this world has to offer, and even some good things, but I always came up lonely and empty knowing that there had to be more for me. Throughout high school and into university, I experienced a number, a number of spiritual highs and lows. I remember in my grade 10 year at the youth retreat at Camp Stillwood, I recommitted to my faith on Saturday night. I felt God's presence super strong during the worship, and I just decided to make that step in my faith to recommit to God. But those highs wouldn't last. When the routines of life kicked back in, I would feel like the spiritual highs hadn't actually transformed my heart. I'll never forget hitting what I thought at that point was rock bottom. My friend and I hosted a party while his parents were out of town on vacation. I drank way more than I should have, and I woke up with my head resting on the inside, the very inside lid of the toilet, um, actually in a puddle of my own urine and, and with throw up all around my, uh, my mouth. I've never really told that story to anyone before, and I definitely don't tell that story to sound cool, because that's the least cool story you've ever heard. I just tell that story to say how up and down my faith was for a large stretch of my life. I remember those car rides driving home from parties at that time. I felt like a complete shell of the person I could have been. I felt alone. I felt empty inside, and I felt like there had to be more for me than this. I graduated high school in 2012, and between 2012 and 2014, I played collegiate basketball at both Briarcrest uh, in uh, Saskatchewan and Trinity Western University in Langley, British Columbia. After my first year at Trinity Western University, um, the coach ended up getting fired, uh, half the players quit the team, and I was left in limbo. I decided to take the next few months of my life to decide on an appropriate next step for my basketball and my academic career. Little did I know that the next year and a half would challenge me in ways that I never could have imagined. Some of you may have heard a lot of this during my Sportsnet feature in March during the U-Sport National Tournament, but most of you probably haven't, so I wanna take you through my medical journey leading up to July of 2015. From September to December of 2014, I began experiencing significant pain in my stomach and my side. I couldn't sleep. I didn't know what was happening. Picture a bad stomach ache that lasts for hours on end with shooting pains that you can't locate. I remember getting tired of wondering what it was, so I drove to Calgary to get an MRI at a private clinic. Shortly after, I got referred to a sports-specific sports clinic in Burnaby, BC, where they had got a chance to look at my MRI, or at least I assumed they had. They came to the conclusion that I had what is called a sports hernia, which is basically a normal hernia, it's just underneath the surface of your skin and you can't see it. I began rehabbing immediately. With what little money I had and with the help of my parents, I began driving out to Burnaby two to three times a week to begin a non-surgical rehabilitation plan. The, the, re, the rehabilitation program was super intensive and I was training alongside multiple NBA, NHL, and MLS players. I was fairly out of place. <laughs> the facility was huge and the doctors were well-trained and smart, but still January became April and I was dealing with these same razor-sharp pains. The rehab wasn't working. Because of this, the doctors began exploring surgical options. April, May, June, and July of 2015 became not only a fight for my physical health, but I entered into a mental battle and for me, the stakes would prove to be life and death. During this process, my dad felt like God was calling us to get a second opinion regarding my health. 
After doing this, my new specialist revealed to us that I didn't have a sports hernia at all. The clinic in Burnaby had either failed to look at my MRI or missed the fact that I didn't have a sports hernia or tear anywhere. Instead, my kidney was about three times the size it was supposed to be, and the razor-sharp pains I had been feeling for years were my kidney slowly shutting down inside my body. My kidney was beyond repair. The surgery I was now waiting for as a healthy 21-year-old athlete was for, for the removal of an organ from my body. I didn't know how to process this news in a healthy way. I began to spend more and more time alone in my dark room. I barely left my basement, let alone my house. I remember the feeling of being scared to even walk upstairs and talk to my mom. I didn't let anyone help. I didn't re even really let myself accept that I needed help. Our culture seems to want to convince us that we are capable of winning, winning any battle we, we have through sheer effort, resilience, and mental toughness. We get tricked into thinking that we don't need anyone's help. So I laid in my dark room, and as the weeks, as the weeks turned into months, my mind began to travel to some really dark places. I had lost sight of any good purpose for my life. Maybe none of you can relate to this feeling, but if I'm being totally honest, I know that a lot of you probably can. On some level, you felt or currently are feeling these same things. My mind had become poisoned. The man that God had created me to be was nowhere to be found. I felt like I had nothing left to offer this world. I didn't think anyone would miss me if I was gone. I remember giving up. I remember the feeling of realizing that I couldn't cope with the fight that was waging in my mind. And that's when I decided enough was enough and I chose to end my own life. I remember laying on my left side, looking out at my empty room and the dresser in the corner. I was angry that my life had come to this. I laid there with tears streaming down my face and really couldn't believe how hopeless I had become. My mind was made up. I had nothing left to live for. And here through the darkness and the clutter of my fallen mind, I heard the voice of my God. My God that had every hair numbered on my head since I was a kid. My, my God that believed in me even then. In my darkest moment, he still believed in me. He still had a plan for me. He told me that this wasn't the end of my story. He told me that there were people in my life, some that I haven't even met yet, who needed me. They needed me as a mentor, friend, teammate, coworker, sibling, and son. His plan for my life and for my friend and family's lives required me in it. I felt a sense of purpose in that. I clung to that message and I still cling to it today. And I'm forever thankful to my God who reached out to me in that moment. And so if someone hears my story and asks, what made you decide not to do it? I tell them that God reached out to me when all hope seemed lost and he filled me with the message of hope.
And I don't mean he tapped me on the shoulder or whispered in my ear. I could just feel that message very clearly in that moment. I was not an acceptable loss to him. He feels the same way about every person here today. I remember during that sports interview as I sat in that small room with three others, I could see tears welling up in their eyes as I told them my story. And I told them about this God of mine that was the reason why I didn't give in. I don't even know if they believed in God. I don't think they did. But I remember one of the film guys came up to me after and said, my girlfriend is fighting suicidal thoughts. Would it be okay if I took this home and showed it to her? I said yes and we shook hands and went our separate ways. But I just remember stopping, stopping around the corner and thinking, maybe my purpose was to honor God by telling my story. That maybe my purpose was to tell people like you and you could find the same hopeful message that I found when I needed it. Jesus saved my life. He's the reason I'm standing here today. The pastor's son, the cynic and the sinner, standing in front of this amazing church to tell you this, I found my why. I will live the rest of my life honoring the God who saved me. And I will live my life to tell other people like you about the hope and purpose that God has given me. Just to further illustrate the power of a person who has found their why, I wanted to show you a quick video today. It's the story of one of the greatest upsets in sports history. Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson. Tyson was undefeated and a knockout specialist. His fights were notoriously violent and quick. Douglas entered the fight a 42 to one underdog, but what people didn't know about him is that he had the advantage of a clearly defined purpose. His motivation or his why was very clear to him. And I know that's just a sports story, but Douglas's why was the reason he was able to stand back up. The same thing was true for me, but for me the stakes weren't winning and losing a boxing match. For me the stakes were life and death. I needed a why that was strong enough to overcome my mind that had been convinced I had nothing left to offer this world. And I don't know what you're going through today. One thing I know a lot of churches struggle with is realizing that there are people walking through their doors every week who really aren't doing well at all, but we aren't one of those churches. We aren't scared of addressing the hurt and the hopelessness in our hearts and in the hearts of people all throughout this city. We want more than anything to tell you the purpose that we feel through Jesus. We are here for you and we exist for you. And I know this, this life can get hard. It can beat you down physically, mentally, and spiritually. It can make you feel hopeless, lost, and worthless. It happened to me. I should have had it all together. According to worldly standards, I was a success. But inside, I couldn't stand to live another day. And maybe for you, it's not quite that extreme, but you can relate to the feeling that there has to be something more to life than this. You don't really know why you're here. So many of my friends are in the same boat. They're just existing. They're sad, lonely, and looking for purpose and meaning and superficial things that can't sustain them. And that's why I'm so passionate about this, because I was in the same boat with them for so long, looking to the wrong things to give me purpose. Finally, after years and years of searching, I turned to God and realized that His love is the only thing that can both sustain me and give me a good purpose. I'm excited to wake up in the morning. I'm on a mission to help other people find the same purpose I've found through God. His love for you is unconditional and His patience is unmatched. 
I believe that for some of you, God has been extending that patience while waiting for today. You're done trying to figure it out on your own or letting your mind control your life. You're sick of living a shallow life and know that there has to be something more to life than what you're living in. I'm living proof that that bigger and better plan for your life starts with God. It starts with surrendering your life to Him. So I wanna take a couple of minutes today and ask if any of you feel like I did. Like you just can't see a purpose for your life or you just run out of hope. Some of you have never asked Jesus into your life and I wanna give you a chance today to do that. So with that in mind, can everyone please close their eyes and bow their heads just as a moment of personal reflection. If you're here today and you can relate to living without purpose and without hope and without God, and you wanna let God take over control of your life and fill it with meaning, I wanna invite you to put up your hand in just a second. This is just an opportunity for you to take the free gift of life and, life and purpose that Jesus offers, just like he offered it to me. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, what yesterday might've looked like or how hopeless you might feel right now. If that all mattered, I wouldn't be standing before you here today. God offers us all a free gift of life and purpose with him and all we have to do is ask. So if you realize today that you are done trying to live life on your own terms and wanna to surrender to God's plan for you, can you raise your hand up nice and high right now? I wanna pray for you. Thank you. See you. Okay, and just before we pray, for the people who raised their hand, I wanna take a second to acknowledge the people in this room, regardless of whether or not their hands went up, who feel overwhelmed at the end of their rope and hopeless. Maybe you're even in a place like I was. You don't see much of a point with continuing to fight through life and you'd rather not have to live anymore. For me and from our church, I wanna tell you something. I wanna tell you that Jesus sees you and you're not alone. He's with you in your darkest and lowest points of your life. You're not an acceptable loss and this church is here for you. Please feel free to talk to anyone here in a lanyard if you're struggling with these thoughts and, and we will help you get connected with whoever and whatever you need. And know that the prayer that I'm about to pray is for you and everyone here too. Okay, so if you raise your hand and even if you didn't, I'm going to pray out loud and you can just pray along with me in your head. Dear God, thank you so much that you have a great plan for my life. Thank you for caring about me enough to stand by me through my greatest triumphs and my toughest defeats. Forgive me for trying to do this life without you for so long. Forgive me for all the hurt I've caused and help me to make that right. Thank you, God, that you never left me because you've never seen me as an acceptable loss. I look to you today for a hope and a purpose that surpasses everything this world has to offer. I know that there will be tough days, but I know that with you by my side, I can overcome anything. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's celebrate that. If you were someone who raised your hand, or maybe you were a little bit nervous, but you prayed that prayer along with me for the first time, can you do me a favor and can you text the word LIFE to 604-670-3040? What we wanna do is just get you connected. There's a couple free things we wanna give you, but, but if you feel like you don't wanna send that text, or even if you do, we would love if you would come up and like talk to me, talk to a staff member, or talk to someone in the lanyard, and we just really wanna set you up to win on this journey. Thanks for joining us. 
We'd love to see you at any of our three Sunday services held at Sardis Secondary School on Stevenson Road in Chilliwack, British Columbia. For more information, please visit southsidelife.com.